FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 381 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked, I'm your host, Jason Venable, and uh, we're going to talk about the Wolverine guest spots for the last few weeks. Um, obvious caveat, hope everyone is, is staying safe and well with all the, all the craziness going on right now. Um, please, you know, take care of yourselves, take care of your family. Um, you know, just just be cautious. Be safe. Don't you know? Do your do your social distancing. Help everybody kind of get through this time, and then hopefully we'll uh, come out the other side and have a lot more fun comics to talk about, right? So we're going to talk about Wolverine. We're going to talk about X Force, and we're going to talk about some guest spots um, around the, the Marvel universe. And Wolverine, uh, we're not like mid-90s busy, but we're starting to get pretty busy again with, <laughs> you know, now that Wolverine's back and kicking and snickin', um, he's definitely starting to, starting to pop up, uh, pretty frequently in other books, you know, which makes sense, right? I mean, your Spider-Man, your Batman, your Wolverines, they're gonna show up a lot, it sells. But uh, first up, we're going to talk about Wolverine number two. So this is Hair of the Dog, or Your Own Worst Enemy, <laughs> with the, uh, the double-titled Dawn of X. Um, this, of course, is written by Benjamin Percy, art by Adam Kubert, colors by Frank Martin, Letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo! Uh, designed by Tom Mueller, and then the cover is by Adam Kubert and Frank Martin, and it's pretty nice. Um, Kubert's Wolverine is looking really good right now. Um, not gonna say a completely new, maybe body type for Kubert's Wolverine, but it, it's I don't know, it's it's subtly different and it looks really nice. Um, so of course he's front and center and he's being attacked by ghosty Sabretooth, uh, Lady Deathstrike, and a guy with a syringe. It was probably Weapon X related, but having just recently read Weapon X, he doesn't look like any of the, the main players in the original story. Yeah, maybe I'm just, maybe he's skipping my mind. But um, there's also an awesome uh, David Finch variant of... Wolverine in the rain, um, just in the dark, and the rain just being awesome. So that's pretty cool. Um, but and this cover is really nice. Color works really nice, and just it it looks good. It looks good. So we start off with some music on a dark ocean with a big full moon, and it's the Marauder from the Marauders. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of doing its thing, and we see that Bishop has had headphones on, and he takes off his headphones, and he sees that Iceman is freezing crates of the Krakoan flower, 
and watching it float like an ice cube across the ocean to a raft where Pyro is melting the ice off and giving it to the pale girl. Uh, this angers Bishop because they don't want to give away their flowers to this drug cartel, the flower cartel. Um, so he shoots at them, but it doesn't make sense. And then Storm blows him off the boat into the water. And as he tries to surface, he is pulled under by a decaying Kitty Pride water corpse. And that's the end of Bishop for now. I will say right off the bat, I like this book. Definitely a solo Wolverine book. It has, you know, with the Dawn of X being what it is, it has the X-Men, you know, playing a pivotal role still. Um, so it's not, it's definitely solo. It's definitely Wolverine focused, but it doesn't feel separated, which I like, particularly at this point where we are in, in the Dawn of X universe right now. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so we go back to Wolverine, where last we saw he was trying to hunt the pale girl through the snow. Um, and now he's with our, our trio of baddies from the cover. we got Sabretooth, we got Lady Deathstrike, we got a guy with a syringe and a gun. And he fights Sabretooth, he claws him, he gets shot, so he thacks the guy in the head. Um, and then he scouches. Um, Lady Deathstrike through the stomach but then he snaps out of it and sees oh no he just double stabbed with all six claws through the gut Jean Grey and he looks around and it's Quentin Quire and Domino that were the other bad guys and he realizes he did not kill villains he killed his teammates which you know feels very much like uh, old Man Logan, right? Where he gets tricked into, into murdering his teammates. Um, he wakes up with a word balloon sensor in one of the healing flower beds. Uh, he's covered in vines, and that was a dream. A dream of what happened, but a dream nonetheless. And he's there with the healer in the healing gardens, and he's, he's obviously very upset. And he walks over and sees Bishop. And he's like, what happened to him? And they're kind of like the same thing. And they kind of discuss... Bishop's experience that he doesn't, none of the X-Men from the Marauder remember what happened, and Bishop's in a very bad state. Uh, he was borderline hypothermic, almost drowned. And so then we go back to Baltimore, and we meet our guy, uh, Agent Lebowski. <laughs> no, uh, what, uh, Bannister, I think, is his name. Yes, Agent Bannister and his daughter in the hospital. And his daughter, of course, remembers waiting for Krakoan medicine to cure her cancer. It was a very touching scene last time. Anyway, he fell asleep in the hospital room. Uh, she wakes him up and says, your phone is ringing, Dad. And he's like, oh, sorry. And he talks to his, his agent partner. Um, the other agents, this feels very much so. Benjamin Percy wrote the, uh, the Long Night uh, serial podcast. Which of course, and the one after it, uh, what is it called? The one that's in New Orleans mostly. Um, anyway, his his FBI agents feel a lot like those agents, uh, just tone-wise. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, it's his writing. If he wants to, <laughs> to kind of borrow from himself, that's totally fine. Um, anyway, they're in the scene of a crime, and 
The agents that were investigating the flower cartel are brutally murdered and self-inflicted. A guy shot himself, a guy jumped out the window, and then... I don't know, I guess the agent that jumped out the window also burned their face off with an iron. And the guy that killed himself wrote in his own blood on the wall, look away and live another day. And so Agent Banister's like, oh, this is bad. And his daughter has an idea. She's like, hey, the mutants wanted to help us with Krakoan medicine. Now they're saying there's a wait list because people are stealing their, their supply and, and doing it illegally or whatever. But if that's their excuse and they should help us fix it. So get them to help you. Like, y'all work together and get me this medicine. He's like, okay, dad's going to do that for you. So we go back to the resurrection eggs where we see Gene regrowing in one of the egg sacks and Cyclops is watching and Wolverine walks up and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. Obviously, I, I didn't mean to do that. It wasn't in my right mind. And Cyclops doesn't say anything. He doesn't zack him with an optic blast. He just walks off. Um, so Wolverine decides, you know, he's going to make this right. So we go back to Agent Bannister and his partner and the shooting range. And he says he wants to pull the plug on the investigation. Go quiet. No digital trace at all. That somehow she is predicting their moves, either a mole or just the ability to hack into technology or something. But he wants to just, he wants to do this old school, completely old school. And he has an idea for who he wants to get help. The heavy artillery. And so at that point, we show him meeting with Logan. We get a snick, not a snicked, as uh, Wolverine bites a bottle cap off of a beer. And there's a fun scene where Bannister's like watering his lawn and talks about how his lawn is his escape. It's a perfect lawn. It's one thing he can control in this chaotic world. And they're having some beers on the lawn. And they decide, okay, well, I don't know if we're really get along or whatever, but you know, Logan's going to help him. He's going to do that. So, and then he throws the his bottle on the the ground on the lawn, and Agent Lebowski's like, dude, seriously? <laughs> you got to pee on the rug? <laughs> um, so we go back to the ocean, and it's a stormy night on the Pacific Ocean, and uh, Wolverine and Bannister uh, have like a, a shipment and they're kind of using it as bait. And Bannister's like, are you sure this is going to work? But um, Logan's like, yeah. And so they get onto the boat, and they're like, hey, I think someone's coming. And the agent, his partner, is like, actually, they're already here. And Wolverine scouches Bannister through. It looks like the heart. Um, and his eyes are all red. And the agent turns into the pale girl. And then the storm we realized it wasn't really there. It was a perfectly clear, calm, flat ocean with rays of morning sun and Wolverine with red eyes and a wicked smile and we see the pale girl with one red eye. He drives the boat away. So he was he was taken over. He was used. At what point, I'm not sure um, whether she took possessed him during the meeting and so orchestrated the setup or whether she found out about the setup and possessed him after the fact you know we don't really know I guess um 
But yeah. Yeah, so that's that. I, I have a feeling Bannister's probably not dead, though. He's going to have a hell of a time recovering from that. Um, yeah, so... So, yeah, shadings of Old Man Logan. Um, where, of course, Mysterio tricks Wolverine into killing all the X-Men. And we have a similar kind of thing here. Um, Alright, so the art. Hubert and Martin are a fantastic team. And this book looks great. Um, almost, like, every page, every panel. Um, it just, it's a fantastic looking book. It looks really, really nice. Uh, I would say, like, yeah, the pencils for sure. Um, but the color work, I mean, Martin just knows, he knows how to color Cuber's art. He really does. It looks, it looks really, really good. Um, and the story's moving along at a nice pace. You gotta wonder why the X-Men would let just Wolverine and this one agent, like, do the bait. Why wouldn't they have, like, the Marauders on backup or something? But, um, anyway, I guess that's neither here nor there. Uh, the plot point is to get Wolverine by himself so he can get taken over, which brings me to the really the only thing I don't like. Um, I was talking to Dan and Georgie about this a little bit, too, but, um, the Wolverine trope of him being mind-controlled or tricked into murdering his friends, it, it, it seems a little, it's not a bad idea, it's just, it's been done a lot. Um, and it's not really my favorite Wolverine trope anymore. I mean, there's been stories where I've enjoyed it. I en remember enjoying the original Old Man Logan, the Enemy of the State, another one where he's kind of, quote-unquote, not himself, that, that works fairly well. Um, and this one could be one of those stories that, that the mind control bit ends up working okay. I'm just, just honestly, I'm, just, I'm a little bit tired of it. I mean, I mean, really, we're, we're splitting the hair of the dog here. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, some minor quibble as far as my enjoyment of the whole issue. Um, I, I still thought it was a pretty, pretty darn good comic book, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. I, I want to continue to see, like, more character work. You know, find out more about Bandister and his daughter. And I, Even though it's also maybe been done a little bit, the scene of Cyclops and Wolverine at the Krakoan, like, egg tree was nice. Of uh, Scott, just his stoic silence and disappointment, and Wolverine with his trying to convince Scott that he's going to make this right. Um... You know, that was a good scene. Uh, I like uh, Agent Bannister and his idea that, you know, he's going he's gonna to flat-foot this. Take, take it, he's going to beat the street, beat the concrete, he says. Do this the old-fashioned way. Um, call in some heavy muscle. And he takes his daughter's advice, which I thought was cool. You know, instead of being like, oh, you know, that's sweet, but you're just a kid. I mean, obviously what we saw from the first issue of the relationship, she, he wasn't going to, like, make her feel bad or anything, but... I mean, just the idea that he's like, yeah, you know what? I think you're right. Um, maybe I should make the mutants help, or at least try to get them to help. And, you know, who knows if they're all on board, but at least Wolverine is. And so I, I like the team up there. Um, I think overall, uh, the, the trope aside, I'm still going to land on probably a 5 out of 6 clause on this one. 
Um, I mean, overall, really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope, you know, they do something interesting with the mind control thing, you know, going forward um, as we move through this story and, and the upcoming vampire story. I don't know if that's going to... So issue one, you know, is two chapters. I don't know if this book is going to kind of alternate, kind of like the New Mutants book was, but instead of, you know, write different writer and different artists, you know, just between the two plot lines with the different artists, or if they're going to do blocks of each, I'm not sure. Um, I guess we'll see when number three comes out. I'm sure there's a preview out there somewhere I can look and see like who the artist is and would know pretty quickly. But, you know, either way, um, yeah, I just, I, I, that was pretty good. Pretty good. I really enjoyed it overall. Um, so that's going to take us to X-Force number nine, continuing in our Dawn of X Wolverine guest spots. Um, haven't really talked about this book in a couple of issues. Um, so this one with, let's see, our double title is Greener Pastures or the Moral Jungle. Uh, written again by Benjamin Percy. Art by Joshua Cassara or Kassara. Uh, colors by Dean White. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Designed by Tom Mueller. Cover by Dustin Weaver and Edgar Delgado. And here we have like a a central South American jungle ruin. Um, we have a giant lizard, a snake, a jaguar. In the front we have Wolverine with his shirt ripped off. We have Quentin Quire with his jacket. So he's, he's like basically got like a leather vest on and, and shorts and his docks. Um, and a little headband. He looks cool. And then Domino with her clothes all ripped. Very, very reminiscent of the classic uh, uh, Rogue in the Savage Land, Jim Lee, kind of very reminiscent of that look, like like enough enough cloth to cover the knotty bits and then ripped all around. She does have a snake climbing up her leg, for good measure, and she's got a gun. Um, overall, it's actually a pretty good cover. Um, as far as art-wise, it, it looks probably more like Dustin Weaver than maybe any of the, the previous eight covers, so that's good. Um, Alright, so we start off with the scene. We see Gabby, Honey Badger, is back, or Scout, or whatever her name is. Um, and we have an, a Wolverine game of spin the bottle. So Wolverine finishes some whiskey, slams the bottle down, and then he and Dokken are there, um, and they both have their hands up to their head, their fists up to their head, and Gabby spins the bottle, and everyone's around the table placing bets, and it lands on Dokken. He's like, ah, oh, F me. And we get a big snick in shadow as he claws himself through the head. Uproarious cheering and laughter. Gene's like, telepathically, you should be ashamed of yourself. And he's like, no, this is good Wolverine fun. Um, of course, Dawkins gets up because he has a healing factor. Um, and Gene's like, oh, I don't know about this X-Force. Then we get a double-page spread of the Green Lagoon, which is a big, like, kiki torch party place for all the X-Men on Krakoa. Uh, lots of interesting little tidbits uh, of people wandering around. Um, we have a merman. A, mer a, mer a mermaid. Uh... 
We have the creature of the lagoon swimming around. Sebastian Shaw throwing up in the water, maybe? I don't know. Oh! Georgie was asking about Banshee, or maybe Dan was. He's here. He's at a table with multiple men and Havoc and Polaris and Kitty, maybe? Um, got other people kind of milling around. Uh, yeah, got Colossus with a bottle of vodka. Um, Apocalypse just at a hulking table and some other people I don't know. The Dazzler looks like doing a little concert with a little band. Um, Shark Girl on the bongos. <laughs> Lila Cheney maybe on the ukulele. <laughs> I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's was, was a fun little scene. Um, Alright, so then we move into Domino and Sage talking. Apparently Domino and her most recent resurrection has a vague memory of all the horrible stuff that's happened to her in the first couple arcs of this book, but it, it doesn't feel like a real memory necessarily. And Sage is like, huh, I thought that's not what you wanted. She's like, well, maybe subconsciously I did, right? Then Black Tom's kind of going nuts. Um, and Sage steps in and protects them. And the Wolverine crowd uh, gathers the family that stays together slays together um, but Beast interrupts Wolverine and says hey let them party but I need your help and so we're going to go to um, the gate in Terra Verde we had that story remember with the, the plant people the, they had they had a, a miracle plant that they were selling and was holding, propping up their economy and then Krakoa kind of made it crash and there was a whole thing where they went and saved the president, but the president's son was a plant person. So anyway, uh, the other side of their gate has gone silent. So Wolverine, Domino, and Quentin Choir are going to go through. Uh, we get a snick from Domino with her Krakoan arm. As um, you know, Wolverine's like, you sure you're okay? And she's like, ah, I'm fine. And they try to go through the gate. And Quentin Quire busts his nose. Like, he goes through the gate, but his face and his glasses break, like, immediately on the other side. So we get a snick as Wolverine puts the hand up to the gate. He can feel something, you know, holding it. And so he stabs through with a scouch. That must be uh, uh, Percy's favorite stabby sound. Um, and he pulls his claws out, smells it. There's blood on his claws. And they're like, something's blocking the gate. So Quentin Choir pulls out a telekinetic Gatling gun and fires his way. And we see on the other side is like a big plant wall full of corpses. So, but he blows his, his hole through it. They go through the other side. Um, we see Beast kind of telling him, you know, hey, can you figure out what's going on? Uh, locate the president. And they find him. He's strung up on, dead on a plant. And uh, so they, they see all those plants all over. The whole place is overrun with vines and and all that. And Wolverine looks out the balcony. The whole city is overrun with vines. And they see this temple in the background. So they're going to hack their way through the jungle and, and go to it. Um, Quentin complains about how hot it is. And Wolverine gives him a jungle outfit with his claws. Cuts the legs off his pants. Rips his shirt out from under his jacket. Um... And then they get attacked by a plant jungle cat. Uh, Black Tom is moping around the island, hungover. 
uh, V shows up and says, hey, I need your help. Um, and as Quentin goes into the temple, they're being attacked by vines. And we can get the feeling that Beast is going to send Black Tom to, like, fight plants with plants. Um, yeah. So, the art. It's grown on me a little bit. I still don't really love it. I'm not even sure I always entirely like it, but I, it's a little bit... It's a little bit nicer, or I'm just maybe I'm getting used to it. I don't know. Um, but I like it more than, than I did previously. I'm not too fussed about this story. Um, the plant people thing doesn't do a lot for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. So all apologies to Pat, who I think is uh, you know obviously one of our one of our friends of the show. Uh, I always enjoy him listening, and he's actually been been breaking his pattern and listening to new episodes lately. He's been reading Don of X stuff and I I think if I interpreted a post on Facebook correctly he's really digging this book and I really dug the opening scene. It's kind of like I don't know like almost a little too like celebratory of, of violence or violence like, which seems a little bit not like Wolverine but it was all in good drunken fun. I, I thought it was a nice Fun. If anything, just the gag of spin the bottle with your claws was was a good laugh. Um, and, you know, the party spread was fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just not really enjoying the, the plot. Like, the story, like, the character work is okay. It's just weird. It's weird how much less I'm enjoying this book than Wolverine. <laughs> Which is the same writer. But, um, yeah, no, this this one isn't for me. Um, ah, uh, gosh. You know, Pat, if you, if you are enjoying it beyond just the first couple of pages, uh, the spin the bottle and the, and the big, nice Krakoan party scene, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe some details on, on what, what you're getting out of this and I'm not. Um, because there's not, nothing says that I'm right. I mean, I could very well be wrong. Uh, I'm just I'm just having trouble getting into this this series. Um, so yeah, let me know. And that gets for anybody, any listener who wants to write in. If you're digging X Force and you're like, man, I just I think he's missing like the cool part of this book that I'm really enjoying. Then you know, tell me what it is. And if nothing else, I can at least offer a contrarian opinion next time I talk about it. Right. Uh, let let some other people's thoughts shine. Um, yeah, two out of six claws for me on X Force number nine. Um, so next up we have Black Cat number ten, which uh, features Patch. Uh, this is written by Jed McKay, art by the wonderful Chris Anka, colors by Brian Raber, letters by Ferran Delgado, and the cover is by J. Scott Campbell and Sabine Rich. This is Slide of Hand Part Two. The cover is Wolverine and Black Cat standing there. I don't really like the art. Um, and that's not just that I hate, you know, I hate on J. Scott Campbell, because this one's not particularly sexy or anything. It just, it looks very awkward. Like, the point of view, because it's like at a 40, it's not like a, a perfect, like, looking down completely, but looking, like, down from a 45 degree angle. And it just doesn't really line up right like the angles of the, of the people and the bodies it just in the depth just looks really weird 
Um, but yeah, so we have Black Cat going, Snick it, bub. And Logan's like, It's snicked. And she said, Black Cat says, That's what I said. It's your silly Canadian ac- accent. <laughs> so I enjoy that part. I like Snick it, which may be the title of the episode. Um, but yeah, the art I can kind of, you know, I've seen Chris Hawkins draw some really cool covers. I wish they just let him do the covers to this, at least this story. I think he only did this story. I don't know if he'll continue afterwards or not. Uh, but remember, Black Cat and Wolverine are trying to steal Wolverine's stuff back because Black Cat needs this painting um, for her mission, or her mission of thievery that she's trying to, to help someone with. Um, but So Kane Kilgore of the Kid Hellfire Club had robbed Wolverine's private stash at the Princess Bar, and Black Cat and Wolverine are trying to get it back. So we see uh, Kane Kilgore checking out stuff around the Marvel Universe. Um, he's mad because Black Cat and Wolverine stole his sunglasses. I'm sorry, Black Cat patch, complete with white tuxedo jacket. Um, so they're swinging away from Cade's place. Um, we get a really funny scene where her cable breaks, and she's like, "Your black cat's like, what the? Why did it break? You're so tiny. Why are you so heavy?" He's like, "My bones are made of metal," and he's like, "Why don't you have stronger line?" And she says, "Because my bones are made of bones." <laughs> so we get a double snick. His patch is like, "I'll see my own way down." Black cat shoots another cable. And swings and Wolverine claws his way through a window and crashes through the window. Um, we get a message through the glasses, through the speaker. Put the glasses on. And Black Cat's like, uh, no. Uh, so she lands very gracefully. And we see Wolverine, suit all ripped up, come through the door of the building, comes outside. And I'm like, what are we going to do? Um, and he basically tells them there's a tracker in the sunglasses. Um, but they're like, you know what? If I put these glasses on, will it burn my eyes out? And he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Black Cat says, I got a plan. And so they're basically going to cut their way through Magiport. They fight some like Frankenstein zombies. Um, Wolverines and it's full Wolverine dud. It's really fun art as they kind of slice their way through stuff. Um, they fall through a, a roof and land in a wrestling match or like a, a street fighting match and everyone's like, ooh, the Wolverine in a really great page. Really great pose by Anka. Um, and so he continues to fight his way. Black Cat's like, oh, I guess I better go save him. So then we get a flashback of Black Cat and her partner and her dad or maybe the fox younger days. And he's showing them about sleight of hand. That you want, the trick is to make them watch one hand while you do something with the other, and that's kind of what Black Cat is doing here. She's making Cade kind of follow them around, put out this big price on their head while while she's doing something else. So they steal this boat, and then the brothers Grimm show up and um, try to take them out. Um, and get a fun scene, but then they get shot in his Deadpool, and he's like, the price is too high, so he shoots Wolverine through the gut, and he's going to shoot him, and then Black Cat spears him with the boat, like like the bow of the boat through Deadpool's back. And like, oh, my spleen, no, wait, 
My appendix. I still have an appendix. Um, some black cat rescues Wolverine. They leave Deadpool on the boat, put the sunglasses on him, and it starts to burn out his eyes. Like, oh, my eyes! My cursed, cursed eyes! And, um, yeah, so they're going to go to the airport. Caden's like, shoot a missile where the glasses were. And so that's what they do. They shoot a missile to Deadpool. He's like, ow, ow, ow. Well, at least it can't get any worse. And so he gets blown up. And meanwhile, Black Cat and Wolverine get the stuff back. So Wolverine gives Black Cat the painting. Says, here you go. And he finds a book. It's like a um, papers, diaries, letters, memories. He says, I'm older than dirt. I've lived a long time. Known a lot of people. This here is my connection to them. And she's like, oh, so there was no like mo- monetary value. You just wanted sentimental value. Yeah. And she's like, well, thanks for the painting. Um... And he, he makes he talks about Krakoa a little bit. He's like, we're, we're building a future, but I still need to remember my past. Where I came from, what I've done, good and bad. The future's coming. The future's always coming. Maybe I'll see you there. Um, and some black cat's like, all right, well, on to still the next thing. So the art in this comic is wonderful. So good. So good. Um, this is a really fun chapter. I, you know, I've been enjoying the black cat book overall. This kind of like uh, still an item, an issue, or every couple issues, and of course the team up with Wolverine has been particularly enjoyable. Um, gosh, look at this again. This art is so good. Um, Story is really fun. Um, this is a very, I mean, I, I love Wolverine. We have we have adventure. We got some humor. We got some sentimentality at the end. Like, so it works for, as a Wolverine story as much as a Black Cat story, which is, is really nice. Um, you know what? Hmm. I really enjoyed this. I was I was kind of at a high five. I'm going to go ahead and give Black Cat number 10 six out of six claws. You should be reading this, guys. All right, so next up, we have two issues of Ghost Rider. Issue five and six. Uh, five, this is Hearts of Darkness 2. Part 1 and 2. Uh, written by Ed Brisson. Art by Juan Frigeri. Uh, colors by Jason Keith. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Cover by Aaron Cooner and Federico Bellin. And I believe that's all the same for number 6. Let's see real fast. No, sorry. And number 6, the colors are by Jason Keith and Dono Sanchez Amara. And the cover is by Aaron Cooner, but this time with uh, Michael Garland. Um, so our two covers, we have one with Blackheart in the background and Punisher and Wolverine flanking Danny Ketch in his new Velasco sword spirit of corruption personality. Now number six, we have Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze, King of Hell, on his mo- flaming motorcycle whipping his chains at Doctor Strange who has an interesting... He was like a, like a army guy. He's got like a really weird faded buzz cut. And his mustache is very military looking. And of course he's screaming. Um, uh, both covers are fine. I guess. Um, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Spoilers. There's not a whole lot in this story for me to grab onto. I haven't really. I've been reading. I read the first four issues of Ghost Rider. 
not really loving the story. Um, so basically, the concept, if you haven't read, is, you know, Johnny Blaze is the king of hell. Uh, Doctor Strange captured Mephisto in Las Vegas. Demons are starting to get out. Johnny enlisted. Uh, Danny catches help to try to fight the demons, but he's also trying to get Mephisto to take him back to hell and help him um, trap, bring all the demons back, call them home, and, and trap them. Um, so Blaze is rescued Mephisto, but maybe also killed a cop, maybe? And Ketch went to Inferno, I'm sorry, to Limbo, and was turned into the spirit of corruption by Velasco, and has like a big old magic type sword. Um, so we're at the queen of a, the queen, the scene of a crime, um, and Punisher and Wolverine both show up. Uh, kind of weirdly, because Punisher, like it makes sense, there's a murderer, he's checking out, Wolverine's like, I heard a cop was dead. Um, Someone said maybe a mutant did it, so I'm gonna check it out. And so they they shake hands. Um, we have a, a scene in the in the hotel room where Johnny Blaze and Mephisto argue. Mephisto's hanging upside down by chains. Danny Ketch goes to see I think it's his mom in the graveyard. Of course, his sister is also dead. Um, and he has a friend that's kind of tough as nails. Lady, I think she... It's not the lady that works at his bar. It's someone else. She has, like, Demon Hunter or something or another. Anyway, she's like, you gotta do this, even though it sucks. Uh, we do go back to the bar. And Blackheart goes to the bar. I will say, some of my favorite art is Fagrari's, um... Or Fagrari's, whatever. Um, his Blackheart looks really nice. It's kind of fuzzy, so it looks good. Um... Anyway, he's got something he's going to do. That's the Heart of Darkness connection, which, of course, remember that the graphic novel was the trio of 90s Ghost Rider, Punisher, and Wolverine, so they're going to kind of get the band back together. Um, so Punisher and Wolverine find Dan and Ketch. They're like, hey, we think a Ghost Rider may have killed a cop. He turns into a spirit of corruption armor. Uh, he burns Wolverine's face. Punisher's going to shoot him, or Punisher tries to shoot him. Um, but they're like, and Johnny's not in hell anymore, he's on Earth. And we see some demons uh, at this bar, and we see uh, uh, Lilith, and some demons, and they, they, they're finding, um, uh, what's the guy with the eyeball? Say? I just read his first appearance recently, by the way. Uh, the orb. Um, then we have the daughters of Lilith. Three, three hillbilly. Well, I guess they're not all hillbilly. Oh yeah, they kind of are. Uh, different kinds of hillbilly. Uh, three hillbilly daughters. Uh, Johnny Blaze is dragging Mephisto along the street by a chain. They go to the snow, and that's where they meet Doctor Strange. So then, going into number six, Doctor Strange and Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider, have have a duke them out. Uh, there's a family on at home uh, arguing about TV. Uh, it's a uh, cop family, and Blackheart shows up with Emma, the bartender, and they're like, we need you. So we got this kind of one-page-at-a-time Blackheart story going on. Uh, back in Brooklyn, Wolverine Punisher and uh, Danny Ketch. Um, I think he has a name in this. What is it? Is it saying in the recap? Uh, 
I feel like they gave him a name for this this suit, but I don't remember. Um, anyway, they're like, well, we need your help. He's like, I'm not going to help you. And he stabs Punisher with his big sword. And he, and he looks like he's going to die. So Wolverine tackles him, pops his claws with a snit, and then he gets burned in the face again. Because apparently he's not smart enough. So he's got a big burn handprint on his face. Uh, Danny's friend steps in and says, no, wait, wait, wait. The Punisher gets up. The sword stabbed him and made him... Made, it's kind of like Ghost Rider's penance there. This sword makes you feel every corrupt deed you've ever done. So the fact that Punisher lived means he's not all the way corrupt, which, you know, whatever. But then Danny collapses, turns back into Danny. Uh, Wolverine and Punisher are like, hey, we need your help. And you too, Demon Hunter lady. Um, so we go back to the snowy place. Uh, Johnny Blaze and Doctor Strange fight some more. They argue about Mephisto, but of course he sneaks off. Um, he gets away. Uh, then we go to a morgue. The cop that they're investigating, she puts some magic coin on his head. He turns into a demon uh, in the body bag. There's a fun little scene where we see the perspective of the corpse as they're zipping the body bag back up. Uh, Doctor Strange gets kicked out of a Sanctum Santorum as Ghost Rider and Mephisto come out and say, all right, here we go. Um, yeah, art is not bad. It's pretty good. A couple of like really nice highlights. It's consistent. Um, and it's consistently fine. Uh, I'm not really into this story at all, to be honest. Um, it's not, I don't know. I just don't really care. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's bad. Maybe I should care more about the ghost, the implications this has on the Ghost Rider mythos. But Ghost Rider was never a favorite of mine anyway. So, I'm just kind of like, whatever. Um, two out of six claws for me on both of those. I, I don't know, whatever. Alright, so next up, we have a Wolverine cameo in Road to Empire number one. The Kree Scroll War. Um, this is written by Robbie Thompson, who, by the way, wrote, remember, because it's going to play into this, that Meet the Scrolls miniseries, which is pretty good. Um, art, present day by Mattia de Uis, who did the Jessica Jones book. And I think also the Invisible Woman book. Um, Javier Rodriguez and Alvaro Lopez do the flashback art. That's always a treat. Uh, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The cover is by Phil Noto. Um, and this is basically just classic characters from the Kree Skull War. And then in the middle, our new Scroll family that we've been following along, um, who are the Warners. So we start off with them kind of re recapping some of the highest points in that miniseries where they thought they'd lost their daughter. Um, on one of their missions, they found her, but then they lost their husband. So it's the, the mom, the scroll mom and three scroll daughters um, who are still trying to carry out kind of their, their mission for the scrolls. The youngest daughter who was captured is having a lot of doubts. And then we kind of get like a scroll history in the Cree scroll, really history of the scroll in the Cree by Rodriguez and Lopez, which is beautiful. It talks about how the scrolls were originally a peaceful empire. Um, they did kind of conquer, but they did it through trade. They, they find this one planet that has the Kree 
and the uh, Kotati, um, which are the, the tree bush people, um, and the ancient kind of prehistoric Cree. And so they put them on the moon and let them see who would advance the most. And the Cree did, but they butchered the Katadi, except for a few that went underground and were later discovered by peaceful Cree priests. But the Cree swear vengeance on the scrolls, and that kind of makes the scrolls become more warlike. Um, so as they're recounting the history, the youngest daughter's like, oh, when's the fighting going to stop? What if we just try to stop it and be peaceful? And the mom's like, no, we still have a mission. Uh, we get some more flashback uh, Mantis uh, and the Celestial Madonna story um, a little bit of Thanos uh, for Al um, and then the hotel room that the scrolls are staying in blows up and we get a Kree guy that I thought at first might be Mystique because it's blue skin red hair, long red hair but it's a, it's a Kree guy uh, but the scroll family, um, the youngest daughter has been working on her shape-shifting powers had turned into like this giant monster and swallowed her family and she barfs them up but that protected them all from the explosion so they're going to hit the road uh, we get some more flashback um, of Captain Marvel and how he fell in love with a um, this is Marvel, not not Carol, not the superior Captain Marvel. Um, Marvel fell in love with the scroll and had a Hulkling as a child, who of course was raised on Earth, was in the Young Avengers, and that's where we get. I think this is a Civil War, or no, maybe Secret Invasion. What's that Secret Invasion? Yeah, uh, that's where we get our Wolverine cameo. Is kind of the battle scene of that. Um, it was pretty nice. And then we see our modern day scrolls arguing over what they're going to do. The mom's like, no, we still have to do our mission. Um, and we see the, the scroll and the Kree who were at the death of Phoenix who fought each other and I guess came to a truce because they were tricked by the Inhumans and the Fantastic Four. And I think those are the guys that were in um, uh, um the big issue was it Road to was it also called Road to Empire? I covered it because I think Wolverine was in it. Maybe um, what was that called? Shoot, it was the book. It was like a bunch of different writers with a bunch of different stories in the current Marvel books. Anyway, it was kind of framed by the the idea of Hulkling, kind of bonding the Kree and Skrull empires and now he's sending out a message and just as the mom finds the the Kree that tried to blow them up and that had a hand in the Charisma's death and is about to kill him and his family at the dinner table they get the message from Hulkling he's like no no wait everyone the Kree and the Skrull are together now we're going to fight our common enemy Earth that's where we kind of end up and dang it, I can't remember what that book was called. That had kind of set up uh, Hulkling as taking over the empires. But um, regardless of that, this book, I guess a lot of like exposition as far as far as like, hey, remember what happened to kind of get us here? Like in the whole history of the Kree and the Scroll. But it was told so beautifully by Rodriguez and Lopez. I don't really mind kind of recap through beautiful art and the present day scenes my gosh I hope I'm saying the name right Deulis 
This art is so good. Oh, I like them so much. Um, really, really, really killer art. And, you know, the story of the family on a run and the daughter trying, kind of being like, um, not contrarian. Um, uh, gosh, I'm struggling with my uh, mental concepts tonight. Um, anyway, kind of fighting and, and speaking for peace. Uh, counterculture. Kind of scroll counterculture and wanting to go back to the original roots of the peaceful empire and challenging her mom and her sisters like, should we really keep perpetuating this violence? So I got thousands of nice kind of conversations we moved through their family. Um, and it picked up really well from the, the Meet the Scroll miniseries, which was, was pretty good and we're checking out, by the way. I think I said that already, but whatever. Um, anyway... Gorgeous book. Both sets of art look amazing, and the the story is is strong enough. I mean, it's it's a family, and then it's kind of Marvel history. Um, hard to grade that maybe, but this book looks so great. I gotta give it five out of six claws anyway, just be, just for the art, if nothing else. So yeah, some really good books this time. Some books I was not as into. Um, so that's just my personal taste, right? I'm sure if you're a big Ghost Rider fan, those those issues are probably better for you, right? Um, well, anyway, I'm really excited about the next episode. have a big surprise guest for long-time listeners of the show, and it's time. X-Men number one from 1991. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to do it up big. So that's that's next time. So get ready for that. That is really exciting. I'm really excited about that. Um, so anyway, uh, for the podcast and Ghost Snit, of course, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snitcast. Show notes and stuff are all at snickcast.podbean.com. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>